Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we study the Bible. We're working our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today is episode 438. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 27 through 31. Let's read our passage. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. This is Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, church he founded five years earlier on his second missionary journey. Now he's on his third missionary journey. He's in Ephesus, and he's writing this letter to the Corinthian church, dealing with a lot of challenges in that church. They are thinking themselves highly spiritual, thinking themselves full of wisdom, thinking themselves full of knowledge, challenging Paul's apostleship. They're going to pagan temples, participating in feasts dedicated to idols. They're doing a lot of things that are very wrong. And Paul's challenging them on some of these things and providing some correction. They're very enamored with their spirituality. And one of these things is the gift of tongues. And most everybody who's highly spiritual seems to have this gift. And Paul's been challenging their position and their infatuation with this gift of tongues. And he's talking in chapter 12, 13 and 14 about spiritual gifts. And he's been making a point through chapter 12 of unity and diversity. That unity is a basic component to Christian community. There has to be unity. But the Holy Spirit is the one who does all this. These are gifts that people have so much. They are manifestations of the Holy Spirit in people. And so the Holy Spirit does things in a variety of ways through a variety of people. Diversity within the bounds of unity. So diversity within unity. He talked about diversity. He's talked about unity. Now he's back to talking about diversity again in this section, verses 27 through 31. Verse 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So he was talking earlier about the example of diversity and unity within the human body that the body is composed of all these various parts. And each of these parts is vital to the overall function of the body. The parts have to work together for the body to function. And if one part hurts, all the parts hurt. If one part celebrates, all the parts celebrate. Now he's bringing that back to the body of Christ, the church. He says, you guys, you, Corinthians, you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So one body comprised of many members unity with diversity. Now he's going to talk diversity. Verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church. Let's pause there. He's bringing up the sovereignty of God in all this. These things that he's talking about now are up to God. And God's the one who brings about the diversity. Diversity is the work of God. And God's the one in control here. He says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Interesting. He's mentioning people here. 
some argument back and forth. Is he talking about specific offices of the church? Or is he talking about functions within the church? And I don't think it makes a a big deal of difference either way. But what's curious, though, is he lists them first, second, third. Is he talking chronological? Because the first thing you have is an apostle who comes to town and preaches the gospel. Next, you have prophets who proclaim words from God. Then you have teachers who are teaching these words that have been proclaimed. So is it chronological order? Or is it more an order of authority? And it's hard to say. Paul doesn't give us an answer key in the back. And some say because so many of these people in Corinth claim to have the gift of prophecy that they are posing as prophets, that he is actually doing it as authority and that he as an apostle has priority over them. It's hard to say, but these are people he lists here. He doesn't say these are spiritual gifts. And some of it would be kind of curious, like, is is there a spiritual gift of apostleship? A lot of people in their lists of spiritual gifts say absolutely because this is here. But he didn't say these are spiritual gifts. What he's doing here is he's talking about diversity, different functions within the church. And so you have apostles and prophets and teachers functioning within the church, and they're appointed by God. He doesn't say these are spiritual gifts. Now the question that comes up is the idea of prophets, because he he says prophets here, but later on he's going to talk about the gift of prophecy. Is everybody who prophesies with the gift of prophecy a prophet? Or is prophet an actual office within the church of somebody who does prophesy? but they do it on a regular basis and become known as a prophet. Hard to say, but again, that's not the point here. The point here is diversity, that there are these three functions of people, and they are appointed and equipped by God. Then he goes on and says, then miracles, then gifts of healing. He said first, second, and third. Then he says, next, and then. Is it continuing this rank order? And some say yes, some say no. It's it's hard to say exactly, but he stops the numerical listing of them. These aren't people. He says miracles. Now, some translations say workers of miracles. The actual letter that Paul wrote says miracles and gifts of healing. So he's not talking about people so much here. He's talking about actual events. And these are supernatural gifts that he mentions earlier in his list of gifts, but they're in reverse order from where they were in that first list. So he's probably not talking rank order of importance here. He's just giving a list. Then he goes on and says, helping and leading. A couple of problems here. These two words, this is the only place in the New Testament that they appear. The word gets translated as helping, and it, that's what it means, but it's the only place here it appears in the New Testament. Is this a spiritual gift, or is this just a function of ministry? Then leading, some translations say administration. Problem here is this is the only place this word appears in the New Testament. It really comes from a the Greek word that means steering a ship. So 
Does it mean providing some kind of overall guidance within a church? Does it mean leading? Does it mean administration? Hard to say exactly what it means because it's the only place it's used here. But again, are, are these spiritual gifts helping in leading or administration, or is this just functions of ministry within the church? And he says various kinds of tongues. I don't believe these are in rank order of importance. Some want to say that, and that Paul's saying tongues are the least important. Now, he mentions tongues last, because that's what he's going to go on and talk about in chapter 14, tongues and prophecy. So I think that's why he ends with tongues, just as in the earlier list, he ended with tongues, because that's the problem area. So you've got all this stuff, and you've got tongues. And his point here isn't to give a list of spiritual gifts. His point is to emphasize diversity. You have people that are apostles. You have people that are prophets. You have people that are teachers. You have people performing miracles. You have people who are teaching. You got people doing helping and leading and people speaking in tongues. You've got all these things going on. You have diversity, or at least you're supposed to have diversity. And the problem in the church at Corinth is they don't have diversity because they all think they have the gift of tongues. And if everybody comes together and everybody's speaking in tongues, it becomes chaos. And I'll talk about that later on. Verse 29 and 30. He some rhetorical questions. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? These are rhetorical questions. The obvious answer is, and no, of course not. And notice that his questions kind of match the previous list, but not exactly. He mentions apostles, prophets, teachers, and miracles. Then he mentions healing, but he doesn't mention helping or leading. And the point is, he's talking about diversity. And now he's asking these rhetorical questions, saying, that if all did these things, there would not be diversity. And because the answer to these rhetorical questions is no, yes, diversity is a good thing. Diversity is God's plan in all of this. So all of this is making the point of diversity. Then verse 31, there's questions on this, what, what his real point is. But desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. And that people are all over the place on this. Some say that, that what he just gave was a rank order of importance of gifts. And you should desire the ones that are at the top of the list because tongues is at the bottom of the list. And I don't think that's what he's trying to get at here. One problem is that verb desire could be an imperative or an indicative. An imperative is desire the greater gifts. The indicative is but you desire greater gifts. And so he's making the point that you guys seem to want the best gifts. Well, I'm going to show you a better way. Or is he actually giving them a command? Desire the greater gifts. Some say he's even quoting the, something from their letter. Are they talking about the greater gifts? The majority of interpreters think this is a, an imperative, a command. As most of the English translations say, but desire the greater gifts. Now, does he mean based on the previous list, or is he looking ahead to chapter 14? 
going to have a little brief interlude talking about love in chapter 13. Then in 14, he's going to really start making his point about tongues and prophecy. And some people think, well, that's what he's really talking about, is the greater gifts are the intelligible gifts. Because remember, he led off in chapter 12 with this brief comment about, how do you know something is the work of the Spirit? You can't unless you know what's going on. The intelligibility of the message is what determines whether it's from the Holy Spirit or not. And is that what the greater gifts are, the intelligible gifts? Because he's going to make the point that prophecy is preferable to tongues in chapter 14. I, I go along with that idea that when he says desire the greater gifts, he's talking about the gifts that are intelligible in their content, in their message. Then he says, I'll show you an even better way. And that's looking at chapter 13. The better way is love. Not that gifts don't matter, but without love. And we saw this earlier when he talked about knowledge. Knowledge isn't the big deal. Not that knowledge doesn't matter. Love is the big deal. So this finishes chapter 12. He's been getting this introductory material here, making the point for unity and diversity. And in 13, he's going to talk about that it doesn't any of it matter without love. And in 14, he's going to make some practical applications to their condition. Remember, he's not providing a tutorial on spiritual gifts here. He's given a lot of metaphors, examples, and arguing for unity and arguing for diversity. And that's their problem. So be careful about trying to pull a whole lot out of here and say, well, this is what we can learn about spiritual gifts. And we can learn some things, but just like this list here, I think he's mixing a lot of things here purposefully to make this point that the Holy Spirit does things in a diverse way amongst the body of Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through 1 Corinthians.